What's going on? It's time for another episode of Too Hard for the Radio, transmitting from the future free state of Greater Idaho. I am the one R madman. And with me today to discuss transhumanism is Aura Nadrich. Nora, thank you for coming. Aura, excuse me. I, I just did my best to not mess up your last name and I screwed up your first name. No worries. <laughs> Hi there. Hi, Nick. Hi, how are you? Thanks for coming on. So um, I had, you know, I was, when I was a kid, I was into the Discovery Channel back when I was a kid, Discovery Channel and History Channel still put out pretty decent stuff. It wasn't all just, um, you know, four clicks television, essentially. And I used to watch a lot of documentaries on aliens and transhumanism and that type of thing. And I, I kind of grew out of it as I got older, as I started working and getting busy and doing drugs and that kind of stuff. But when I lost my hand, I immediately had to start looking into um, prosthetics. You know, they you know, you're going to lose your hand, so you're going to want a hook. And right away I go, a hook? What are, you, what are you talking about, a hook? Like, you've seen Iron Man. Like, we've got, you know, all kinds of good stuff. And they're like, no, we do not, in fact. <laughs> We do not have anything good. And they even brought in amputees that it, it was when I, I didn't believe them at first, but they brought in an amputee uh, to talk to me to just kind of like break in. This is how it's going to be. And uh, he showed up without a prosthetic on. I go, oh, you don't have a prosthetic? And he goes, oh yeah, I've got a, a hook and a hand, but you know, I just didn't feel like wearing it. And at that point I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> this stuff's not as advanced as it's as I thought it was going to be so um how did you get into transhumanism what's how does someone like you get into something like that well I did research on my new book time to awaken changing the world with conscious awareness and when I researched transhumanism was one of the things that I kind of one of the rabbit holes that I went down because I was looking at artificial intelligence AI and transhumanism which is really part of this whole technology advancement that we're experiencing really quickly. And I was pretty fascinated by the fact that here we are, we're right at the cusp of moving into the future at a rapid speed. So things like transhumanism and artificial intelligence is real and it exists in real time. And we have advanced so much in our technologies that you know, speaking of transhumanism, that is an area of not just that what you're talking about, the area of like yeah. prosthetics and how we can change the actual physical body, if you will, but that, you know, looking at sort of a future forward vision of what are we going to look like as human mm -hmm. beings. And so if you really start to explore transhumanists, and I explored Ray Kurzweil, who's a Google engineer who wrote The Singularity is Near. Uh, I was really kind of, you know, I don't want to say fascinated, really. I was somewhat really intrigued, but also kind of like, whoa, things are moving so fast that if we really go by the transhumanist or the futurist vision of what that's going to look like, we're all going to be supercomputers. And yeah. one of the thing about transhumanism that's, that's really a very strong part of what I think a lot of transhumanists believe is that we can transcend our biology. And that means we're going to transcend our our physical form, and we could basically be hooked up like to the cloud and live forever, you know. Which is 
you know, in a way, I mean, I could put my Blade Runner hat on and go, let's look at, you know, or 2001 Space Odyssey and get Kubrick about it and get Blade Runner about it and go, well, we are in the future. We're in the 21st century. But where where is this going to go? So when you bring up your your hand, I know that there's positives about future technology. And then there's also some real serious stuff to contemplate about the fact that we are in the future. Yeah, it's it's some really creepy stuff because like you said, yeah, it can do some great things. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we're able to teach paraplegics how to walk again in the next 10 to 20 years. Once you get a brain interface and some sort of body cage on, you can actually train neurons to regrow and fire in different ways. And the brain is so plastic that it, it can, you know, when I got hurt, they told me, you know, you might feel a little bit different for a while because your brain is actually creating new pathways and new signals because it knows that things are burnt out and they're just not going to work again. So they're going to have to reroute and you might even think a little bit different. And, and I think that's absolutely the case. Um, yeah. And like, you know what, the fascinating thing about that, Nick, is that we use only what a, a certain percentage of our brain anyway. So I can look at this stuff and go, I get it. We're going to be advancing so quickly. And what we've seen sped up in the last just, I don't know, a couple of years has been mind blowing because you look at something like AI. Well, AI is going to be used in so many ways. It's part of the strike of in, in the film industry is AI could take the place of writers and they can just, you know, AI or chat GP, was it, what is it? Yeah. Chat. Yeah. Chat GPT. GPT, GPT, you know, could be writing this stuff and then you don't really need people, do you yeah. know, even though you need to enter it in, but um, yeah, it's, it's very sci-fi in a lot of ways. And I do agree with you about the neurons and firing up the neurons and the neuroplasticity of the brain. And that, you know, we can really utilize parts of the brain that we maybe don't. So in one regard, it's really interesting and fascinating, but I also, it's like, you know, it's like anything else that's, that man creates, yeah. you say, well, the same could be about the atomic bomb. And it could be about anything that's really powerful. How are we going to use it? Yeah. And I like to think of it in terms of like proactive and reactive. So like, I am a reactive, if you were to say that I'm a transhuman, which I'm not, because, you know, I would say that you would have to do something better than a baseline human to be considered in that way, but still it's reactive. It's when we get into the proactive stuff that really starts to worry me. People saying, Oh, I'm going to chop my hand off for no reason other than that. I like robots and you know, I want to be able to put on a different color every day or something like that. Luckily we are quite a ways away from that. We still have to deal with attaching it to the limb somehow. And that why don't we start with like something like with you specifically like prosthetics like let's advance prosthetics like before we create the i mean listen robots are being created that that talk and think almost like humans so we're seeing this more and more and you're seeing it on social media and people are like whoa you know i think there's this there is this robot named sophia maybe you've creepy really really creepy you know and so as far as advancing technologies and even in the medical milieu, like you'd think we would have prosthetics that are way more advanced than they are, or there are things that are really useful. Do you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, prosthetics are built for nobody. Um, They are designed and they exist for grants and research. That's it. 
when it, mm-hmm. when they brought me in and they said, okay, we're going to have to chop you here. We're going to send you to this doctor. He's going to get you all set up. I go to the doctor and the guy goes, oh yeah, we're not, we're not even going to ask for a hand. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're not even going to ask. And he goes, well, you know, you don't have kids. You're, you two aren't even married yet. Me and my ex-wife were in there together. Maybe when you guys have kids, then you could come back. Then we can ask them. And then hopefully we'll get the answer you're looking for. And I was just blown away. And luckily, I, I'm, I'm a pain in the ass. And I learned that I was able to get a second opinion if I was having surgery. So I went out to the Mayo Clinic. And they're like, oh, yeah, they sent you to that guy. That guy's a shill. He's who Medicare and insurance want you to go to because he's not going to ask for anything. They go, we're going to give you the best of everything, and they're not going to be able to turn us down because we're the Mayo Clinic. And wow. I went, wow, that's interesting. And then I asked him, they go, they build them for nobody. He goes, mm-hmm. nobody wants to spend the money on them, but everybody wants to work on them and learn how to build them. So what I've what I've learned is like DARPA did an experiment in 2012 where they took a paraplegic woman they put a brain computer interface into her mind. It was not anything nearly advanced as like what Elon Musk is doing with Neuralink. It was something that had to be taken out afterwards because of infection and things of that nature. But they were able to, you know, move a hand and she was able to feed herself from the other side of the room and all kinds of cool stuff. And then, of course, they do the military and DARPA does what they do and they brought her into a, a, um, what do they call those things? A flight simulator for a F-22 or something like that. Let's see if we can hook her up to a fighter jet. And the lead scientist on on the uh, and doctor on the project resigned. He was like, we're, we're trying to save people, not create weapons. And it's like, no, man, we are trying to create weapons. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, yeah, one more thing to weaponize. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's amazing to me that you once you get into the you get your hands on these incredible power, powerful technologies that it, it can really bring out the worst in people because they go into like the most um, egoic, you know, stance on it. Like in the side of the altruism, like, well, what are we doing this for? Are we doing this to really improve humanity or help someone physically? Are we doing it to like, you know, play God and take over the world? Yeah. People have been like, hoping that the United States government has UFOs for, for decades. I'm telling people, no, 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 we do not want the United States government to have those. Otherwise we're going to start going democracy building on other planet planets. Like this is scary. We don't want these guys to have that yeah, stuff. Exactly. I don't think we've done such a great job on this planet. Yeah, uh, we don't need to go spreading democracy yeah. onto other planets. Yeah. yeah exactly. I think we're, just, I think we can stay here. Right. Why don't we destroy this planet? And then, you know, like, you yeah. know, peace out peace out of this planet and go to another planet and populate and, you know, God knows do what on that planet. I think we have a lot of things to improve on this planet. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of these guys are, are out, out ahead of their skis a little bit like Kurzweil, for instance. Uh, you know, he thinks that they're going to be able to upload, like you said, into a computer. I have big problems with that. Uh, I have a lot of big problems with that. One of them being that, so, like, let's let's say the uh, Star Trek, um, what are, what are they called? Beam me up, Scotty. That thing, for an yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Every time you step into the transporter, you disappear, and another one of you reappears. So there's a break there. So is that you? Is that another person? I have a hard time believing that more than one of you can exist in the same place, even if it's you know 
in in succession of each other. Like I, I just haven't, uh, you know, I think people have souls. I think we are individuals, truly individuals. And I'm yeah. not convinced that whatever that thing is, is going to be you. And I'm not convinced that we're ever going to have the technology or even the know-how to pull something like that off. We don't even know what consciousness is, let alone how to pluck it out of somebody's mind. Totally. You, you just, that is so right on what you said, because what I explored, Nick, in the whole transhumanist movement, because I was really like, okay, let me look at it from all angles, you know, without rushing to judgment about what it is, you know, and I, and I, and as a mindfulness practitioner myself, and someone who really likes to delve deep into the areas and of consciousness, if you will, um, as abstract mm -hmm. as that may be, to use the word consciousness when you're talking about transhumanism and define it as that it's not spiritual in nature at all. It's very unhuman, if you will. And I have a problem with that too, because if you're going to present this transhumanistic viewpoint on that we can transcend our biological form and then we get we we get tapped into a sort of consciousness that is more machine-like than the spirit of man you lose me on that one you know i'm like really because i think of consciousness in in a more of a in a spiritual context and i know the word spiritual can be loaded and you can people can read different things into that and i don't mean it at all religious i mean that we're spirits that inhabit this inhabit this vessel which is the human body and you know and once we leave this vessel you know who knows where the spirit goes there are many theories and beliefs as to where your spirit returns to from where it came from for where to where it goes and from a transhumanist point of view especially with kurzweil's book it just it just kind of does away with all of that and it's like, who needs all that? That's messy. We get sick. We die. We don't want that. We want to be machine-like. We want to be spiritual computers. We want to be like, you know, immortal. And that there's a, and, and to use consciousness in that context, to me, it holds no meaning ultimately, because, you know, Ray Carterswall can have his own, he has every right to have his own opinion of what he thinks consciousness means. Consciousness to me is conscious awareness, meaning you're aware within the human vessel that you are in the spirit that inhabits this body has an awareness of my existence the existence of others and the existence of the universe so you want to transfer that to a machine how do i know that's going to duplicate that yeah. i don't know do you know it yeah. just you lose me on that one yeah and to be honest i don't think many of these people like kurzweil who are just adamant atheists you know military totally militant militant is a better militant. word militant atheists Absolutely. i don't think that they even believe in consciousness i think that they believe that we're just firing neurons and if they can recreate every neuron down to the millimeter that they're just gonna appear i could so right on again it's like if you think of that they are very atheistic. You're absolutely right. And, you know, everybody can do themselves about how they feel about the Godhead, whatever that means, whether you believe in a God presence, you know, unity consciousness, the absolute, whatever you want to call it, or not. Clearly, I feel that the transhumanists, it's void of any God-like belief system, okay? And so, that to me, therein lies the rub, because what the, the way I view a lot of them is that they they perform in a very God 
like way. Well, let's let us be God and we can create ourselves to be super beings as computers. Well, isn't that a God complex of sorts? So you deny the existence of a Godhead, but you yourself want to play God. That seems like a real contradiction to me. Yeah. And Kurzweil in specific, like I've studied some Kurzweil too. I've got his book and it's very wild. Like you said, uh, he has this daddy issue where he wants to bring his father back. And I have a hard time with that too. I think that's probably an excuse. I think he wants to live forever. And if he can convince people that he wants to speak to his father again, and that's why he's doing all of this, then now he's altruistic. He's a good person. And I can help you be good people too, by allowing you to speak to your dead relatives. And meanwhile, I think these guys just want to live forever. And I think there's probably something extremely unhealthy about living past 105, 10 years. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I think that a lot of the guys that I was researching, I mean, I can't sort of Elon Musk sort of plays, talks out of both sides of his mouth. He does. So he's, he's sort snake. of like, well, yeah, or, or the grand trickster, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, so you're, I think you're a transhumanist, but you want, you want to have a bunch of kids and, but then you want to chip one of your kids. And then, you know, he, he's constantly like, okay, I'm over here, but I'm really over here too. Uh, so, but Kurzweil and, um, you know, the transhumanists who I think really do, well, you could say Zuckerberg, for example, yeah. with somebody creating the met, creating a alternate universe, the metaverse. And I feel that they, they, you know, especially when you get to be like a Zuckerberg, I'm not saying Kurzweil is a billionaire, but when you get into being these sort of global elites and you're the one percenters, you know, what, what could be sexier than like, oh, we get to play God and we get to yeah. be immortal and we get to tell people how to live and what they can and cannot do. And we get to be supercomputers and, you know, or spiritual computers, whatever Kurzweil thinks it is. Yeah. And I just think of it as just a full-blown God complex. Mm -hmm. and, and Zuck is a great example of, uh, again, like transhumanism in a lot of ways. If you look at a picture of him in college and a picture of him now, when he's in fight shape trying to fight in the Coliseum, it's a different person completely. I mean, he was a he was a doughy nerd 20 completely. years ago, and now he's a chiseled, right. decent-looking guy at least, like at okay. the minimum. Yeah, okay, but, you know, you know, those guys could be on the spectrum for all of Oh, they know. all are, I think. You're talking about, you know, the nerds that probably were bullied and, you know, I – I don't know how many girls, you know, which is fine. You could be a nerd one day and be a prince the next. I, I That's not really what I'm saying. I'm just thinking there's something that they all share in common. There's like a thread there. And especially, you know, like, okay, someone like, you know, Zuckerberg, who I think has, I think its name is Jarvis. This, yeah. this robot that he has Jarvis, which he calls his, you know, intellectual equal, you know, everything that he's putting out there is that this universe, we as human beings is not enough. You know, we got to create an alternate reality. We got to create the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, we got to do all these things that are really are showing us that we're not enough. And so he's trying to embody that now himself, you know, and I think they're really, off. there's something really off. Yeah. There's and I think like, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, Elon Musk, there's something dark going on with him right now too. Uh, you know, people are 
all fired up. Oh my God, he bought Twitter and he's letting people speak their minds and blah, blah, blah. But he's a very, very useful piece of controlled opposition. The government owns him. They can end his life with the stroke of a pen. And it's also a very useful thing to be like, hey, look at this this uh, billionaire who wants universal basic. He's a borderline socialist. He wants universal basic income and transhumanism. But now he's right wing. So now we can call him right wing. So he's right wing. And it's just it's such a, a great role for him to play. I mean, what's that? Was he dressed up? I guess the, the, you could say the same thing about Klaus Schwab dressing mm-hmm. up in that. That that what kind of a you know outfit that is like you know a you know short of looking like you know Darth Vader. Yeah. It's like some kind of weird so you know secret society. I don't know. I mean, hey, listen, if that's their fantasy of what they think the future is going to be, then let them have that. Let them go do that fantasy for themselves. But why are they trying to suck everybody else into that vortex? Yeah. Did you look into Neuralink at all while you were doing your research? Well, I know that, I mean, I know about Neuralink and I know his whole, you know, idea of, of chipping and, you know, that's going to probably appeal to the younger demographic because, mm-hmm. you know, if you have some young kids that go, Oh, how cool. I can go like this and open up my car or, you know, and it's already happening. You know, you look at um, the, the data mining and you look at going into like these markets where they're going to want your thumbprint or, face recognition or all we're it's already kind of you know, that train has left the station yeah. as we know so and i think we we bought an inordinate amount of um uh microchips i i know there's something with our government that's involved with that so microchip is probably the way of the future to these guys yeah and he's got a lot of darpa employees working on Neuralink. i think that darpa figured this thing out pretty recently after 2012, probably between 2015 and 2020, they probably figured this thing out and they said, we're going to, we can't really just start putting it into soldiers. That's not going to look good. So (laughs) we need to get it out into the market somehow. And here's our guy, Elon Musk. We can feed him all the information. We can give him the scientists and all he has to do is sell the dang thing, which he's very, very good at. Yeah, well, I mean, all we have to look is Tesla. You know, Tesla, you know, is is reign supreme with the, uh, you know, electric cars. So I think with Neuralink, you know, the the microchipping is it's real, yeah. isn't it? There's certain there's certain countries that are already, I think, implementing it. You know, it's just a matter of time, and at the rate that we're going, we're moving so fast. Yeah, that it's literally probably already happening. Yeah. And, you know, I worry about that thing. I know he's been murdering chimps to make the dang thing. But, you know, one thing that they don't talk about a lot is they kind of like you said, they kind of just don't care about the body. There's, you know, monism, dualism. They they think the body is something that can just be tossed aside. Uh, yeah. I do not. <laughs> and I don't care. I'm with yeah. you, Nick. And you. I feel that way. Yeah. I think they're going to do things that are going to hurt people's bodies like. For instance, how many people you could pull a million people on do cell phones give you cancer when you hold them up to your ear and you're going to get a significant portion of the population that say yes. And there's a good reason for that. You shouldn't be putting heat next to your brain. We all know what happens when you get a couple degree fever. If it's not taken care of, you die. So now you're going to put this piece of electronics into your brain that's going to be radiating heat. 
So how do you get rid of the heat in something like this? Well, you have to make like cooling fins. So we're going to start seeing people with with metal mohawks like the dinosaurs actually knew what was going on with this. They were able to cool. So we're going to start seeing metal mohawks. And, you know, it starts with the Neuralink. But I think the only way that these people are actually going to be able to upload is if they replace every piece of their brain little by little and get used to it and get used to it. And then right before they die or right after they die, they'll add that last little piece. And we're going to get some, it's going to be some weird stuff. We're going to, we're seeing a lot of weird stuff. We're seeing a lot of weird stuff and we're going to keep seeing a lot of weird stuff. That's why I wrote my book time to wake. And it was like, wake up people and see what's going on. So, you, you know, you don't wake up one day and go, what the hell happened? You know, the world changed and it looks unrecognizable. Yeah. So, you know, and we're, showing it up they're showing it to us every single day we're seeing some new change that's happening and people are you know i say in time to awaken you have people that are asleep and people that are awake people that are asleep have no clue what's going on they're in a semi-conscious state which is the state you're in literally when you're sleeping and then you have those of us that know exactly what's going on and we're awake to it and we're seeing how this mad science is trying to take over the globe yeah now what, so here's one that I'm torn on. Another one I'm torn on is life extension. I know we talked a little bit a minute ago, but, you know, part of me would love to live forever. I'd love to just, just see what happens. I want to see what happens. Like that, to me, that's kind of the the big draw to living longer is like, yeah, human, you know, connections and stuff like that. But if I had to give like one reason why I would want to live longer is I want to see what happens. I want to see if we go out into space. I want to see if we meet other people out there, you know, I, I'd like to see what happens. But then again, I'm also torn about people living longer than they should. And, you know, if, if the human brain could handle a thousand years of memory, that, that might be great, you know, but I don't think it can. I think you're going to have to, if you want to live past those years, you're going to have to like supplement with electronics essentially. So, do you think it's possible for people to live two or 300 years without turning into monsters or are you we know, just done? I, I, I really think that there's the longevity and living forever or being immortal. I think that there's something soul selling about that and that it's, it's having this um, idealism, this fantasy, this future fantasy that we're going to be able to, again, to transcend our biology. Well, the only way for that to happen is to become machine-like. So it's a trade-off, you know, it's like you can't be human and be in this body that ages and gets sick. That's just a given. So what do you do? I think to a lot of these transhumanists, it's that you become like a machine. Yeah. And if you, you know, whether you subscribe to Darwinism or not, if you think we really have evolved from apes and then we we start to change as humans and that we'll keep changing, maybe there's a human element to that, but I don't see it right now because I see that it's a trade-off and yeah. it's a very soul-selling trade-off to trade off your physical self to become a machine. And that's maybe the way we can live into who knows when. I that's interesting. Uh, it's some That's like something I think about a lot, like what would evolution do to us if we just stood back and let it happen? And I, I thought about that with a, with my hand when I got the prosthetic. And I've thought a lot about prosthetics, like how could you make it better? And one of the things I thought about was like, okay, what was what would my hand look like a million years from now? And I thought, you know, maybe this pinky 
would kind of fold down and kind of turn into a second thumb. And I thought, well, why don't we, why do, why aren't these prosthetics making second thumbs? Like we could get, you know, creative with these things and, and try to figure something out. But unfortunately, like in the world of prosthetics, the colleges are the only ones who innovate. Once you get out to the prep, to the private market. Like I asked my prosthetics guy, Hey, what do you think if we did this type of design or this type of like if for my motorcycle, what if we did this or this or that? And he goes, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never tried anything like that before. I go, you've never tried it. He goes, no. I go, well, why not? He goes, well, we're too busy, man. We got to build, we got to sell. We don't have time to innovate. We lean on the colleges for that. Well, I, yeah. And I also think that so much of what they're learning in the area of medicine, like things like stem cell, or PRP and the way we can grow our own cellular, you know, um, biology, if you will. Why aren't we focusing on that as more, I would say more than focusing on trying to be a supercomputer? Because if we can grow from our own cells, limbs, that to me seems more human-like right? than just rushing to become a robot or yeah. a supercomputer. Do you know, like that's, that makes human sense to me. Like if, if somebody said to you, Hey, Nick, we can literally grow another hand. We can, we can grow. I mean, you would probably, I don't know. I can't speak for you, but wouldn't that be something that you would say, Oh, okay. Rather than to go yeah. into immediate human to machine, you know, yeah. why does that bionic? Why if, if we're making all this headway in the area of stem cell research, well, we really could grow. If they're, if they're growing, have you seen where they're, they actually, I just saw this recently where like they're using a, um, they can actually, uh, it looks like a coffee machine and turn it into steak. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Into, it's a know. tumor. It's a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like a coffee machine. It's a certain kind of machine. Yeah. Next you're literally eating, whether it's lab grown chicken, which is the new thing, like, oh, yeah. let's make lab grown chicken. Let's make something in a Petri dish. And I'm like, okay, so you want to grow fake meat. Well, maybe you should focus on growing extended limbs. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as I know, the only part of the body that can survive outside of the body is a tumor. So I say it's, we're eating tumors. Uh, but, you know, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. When I went to Mayo Clinic originally, um, I, I didn't even know anything about the Mayo Clinic. I just looked up, like, give me a list of the top 10 hand surgeons in the world. And the first one in America was, like, number five or something like that, and it was at the Mayo Clinic. So, perfect. I call this guy up, and I go on his website, and he does transplants. So, I go right away, I go, give me a transplant. I want I want a transplant. And he goes, nah, we can't do a transplant on you. I go, why not? Like, it seems like it's so much better. And he goes, you're too young. You're too healthy. You can't do it. He goes, essentially, I do them for practice. So as soon as you get a transplant, you have to start taking AIDS medication, essentially. So it just destroys your immune system because you're, you know, trying to get rid of this hand that's on you. But essentially, he did take my DNA. And he says that he is able to grow every part of a human hand in his lab in separate dishes. It's just getting able to put it back to, to put it all together. And what they really need is a scaffolding, like some sort of base. And they're working with like this collagen material that bone should be able to eat. So you'll kind of build this base that's modeled off of your hand and you'll inject tissue and it'll just start eating this thing away and just start growing on top of it. And 
then he'll be able to just transplant it right back on there, just like he's doing right now for practice. That's why he's practicing. So when he actually can grow it, he'll be able to put them on. I thought that was fascinating. That is fascinating. And that makes more sense to me. But I think when you have these futurists that are so enamored with and very turned off to the human body. Yes. Like you said, you know, and then they would much rather go to something like this. Totally. It's it's just easier. Throw that thing in the garbage. Absolutely. It's so discardable. You know what I mean? So good luck to anybody who's saying, no, actually, maybe that's a pretty good idea. Maybe put some research into that serious research into that. They're like, Oh, that's yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. You know. So, and you said something earlier that, that kind of piqued my peaked my spider sense there. You, you said it makes human sense. One thing that's never made sense to me is there's this theory and like conspiracy theory. I, I guess every stoner's probably had this theory before. Hey man, you think the gray aliens are us from the future? <laughs> And I always thought that was the dumbest theory because it doesn't make sense in human terms. Like we still, as much as the news and the magazines want to tell us different, we like women like a tall in shape man and, and men usually attract to women that are fairly tall and in decent shape. I think that in the future, distant future, especially we're going to be giants compared to we are now we're going to be seven feet tall i know joe rogan has the 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 gray alien theory and it's like man how do how do these smart people think that we're gonna and i guess all right this should this should bring us into the next part of the conversation that i wanted to ask you about when you look at this trans movement trans children do you see a transhuman movement because i certainly do Let's get rid of what a man is or a woman is or what a person is, what a body is. Let's just yep. erase that, it all. I think trans the transgender movement is the prelude to transhumanism for sure. I, I feel that way. And it's already preparing that we're non-binary, that we're going to transcend gender identity and that then it's this gender fluidity and that we're neither male nor female. We're going to transcend our biology, which doesn't connote male or female anyway. And we're going to be more machine-like. Well, machines don't have genders. So yeah, I do think it's definitely transcending the whole gender identity, which to me is very much in step with the whole transhumanist movement. Now, do you think that's a deliberate thing? Like is, is, are the Ray Kurzweil's of the world saying let's break them in through this kind of stuff? Or is it just kind of a convergence of two different fields at the right wrong time? Yeah, I think it's a confluence of events. that seem to be very interestingly happening coincidentally at the same time. Gee, I wonder why. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think, I don't know Ray Kurzweil personally, and if he's in favor of the transgender ideology, but I'm sure he is, but it seems to me that this is just completely in step with the transhumanist agenda. Yeah. This trans stuff comes straight from the universities, which is they're all teaching the same thing. There is no objective reality. There is no truth. You know, um, you can be whatever you want. Uh, if you believe it, then it's up to somebody else to bow down and make you feel better about yourself. Like it, it, it seems to me that it's, there has to be a link between transhumanism and postmodernism somewhere. I haven't been able to find it yet. Yeah. First of all, you know, again, in that God complex context, 
when I think of, okay, you go into this sort of, like if we even entertain the idea of a transhumanist uh, agenda and you take the transgender ideology, well, here's where you cannot transcend the human needs basically. And that is the transgender movement is going to be dependent on big pharma. You can't suddenly go like, oh, hey, I identify as a different gender and I can do this all by just blowing mm -hmm. up my mind and getting, you know, other consciousness that inhabits my body and tells me that I'm the gender, whatever gender I want to be. No, you're going to be dependent on, on big pharma for the rest of your life. So guess what? You're stuck in your human body. Okay. It's like this, again, it's this God complex of, you know, if that's the precursor to transhumanism, but these poor souls who go down that path and it's tragic to see the metamorphosis that they go through and the, all sorts of illnesses, the mutilation of the body and the dependency of big pharma for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, you know, I am so pharma dependent. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I'm, I'm at the point now where I have had to get creative. I take a lot of medications. Like I got, I'm in pain. I can't sleep. It's just a nightmare. Anyways, not complaining. Just to say that I take a lot of medications and if they, if there's like a mess up between my doctor and the pharmacy, I'm screwed. If I'm not set, like I've had to get creative and like take less for a couple months to have a stash of medications because if something, God forbid, something happens to the world and I can't get to a pharmacy, I am screwed. Well, guess what, Nick? You just hit upon something that I think is starting to show up because I know somebody that's scheduled to have surgery and she just uh, posted something today that she was trying to fill a prescription for a medication that they weren't able to fill for her. So, you know, when you start to hear like, oh, that medication isn't available or this procedure isn't available that could maybe help save your life or help prepare you for a surgery or help you post-op, whatever, you're, you're smart to think that way yeah. because, you know, and I mean, I don't know what medications you're on, but, you know, today one in four people is on, on an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication that, you know, we're everybody's stressed to the max, yeah. you know, yeah. it, they can't sleep. You know, this is epidemic. Yeah. So people are very, very pharmacy dependent. Yeah. It's, it's debilitating. Like not being able to sleep is, it's rough. I, I, I have, have a, a yeah. hard, hard time sleeping and it, it, you know, it's rough. Like I, I don't blame people for, for having to, to go to something, but gosh, I wish that more healthy people would take these things more seriously. It's just, it's so dangerous. Like, you know, I've been, I've been dealing with no sleep for a long time and I've been asking my doctors and they just want to throw medication at it, which uh, at this that, point, like, I don't really have a choice to do. And is that after your hand situation? Yes, yeah. Yeah. I end up like, I'll wake up early in the morning. I have what's called CRPS chronic regional pain syndrome. So most people they'll get phantom pain from now, now and then most people that I've talked to when I ask them, do you get phantom pain? They go, yeah, every once in a while I get an itch or this and that. Like I am all the time, 100% pain. Like I, um, but I had, I'm, one of the few people who got a amputation a year after my injury, they thought maybe we can save the hand. So 
we'll leave it on for a year. So what happens when they take the hand, the hand reverts to the position that it was in when they take it. So I had already been destroyed by a plastic surgeon. So my hand was a claw like this. So instead of my hand feeling like this and being able to move or anything like that, I have a claw that's just stuck all mm -hmm. the time. And when you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and your sleeping pills have worn off, there ain't no going back to sleep. You're yeah. up. No, that's tough. That is absolutely tough. And you're right. And, you know, I mean, it's, but the thing about that, Nick, is that now I'm hearing more and more people are saying they're not being able to fill these prescriptions. Yeah. Oh, that's where I was going with this opioids. Like we are in such a backlash from the opioid epidemic that the people who are being punished for this are not the, are not the cartels. They're not the people, you know, shipping drugs into this country. We're not doing anything to them. They, they oper operate with impunity. The people who are getting punished for this are people like me and you. My mother went and had um, bunion surgery last week. It was just a gnarly surgery. I didn't think that stuff was, was that gnarly, but it was a gnarly surgery. Her foot got jacked up. Her doctor gave her four pain pills. Four. She called to get more. They wouldn't, the office wouldn't even call her back. I know I get crap. I get a lot of crap about pain meds. It's, it's been a, a battle because I was a drug addict before I got hurt. But to be honest, I've talked to so many people at this point that I think they're doing this to everybody. I think that they're so worried about insurance and getting busted for prescribing somebody too many. If I sent you pills and they found out about it, that doctor's office is getting destroyed. Yeah. So there, it the backlash has been against people like me. Yeah, at least you're so onto it and you're so aware of it. You're you're super aware of it, and I think that's important because, you know, you do have to think about what if they start to mess with the supply and the demand of something, yeah. and then there's something that people really need, and then suddenly they can't get it. Yeah. So you've kind of created the you've created the dependency, and now you're not filling the dependency in people. It's yeah. crazy, and if it's like China a bad. If, it's like a bad, it's a bad joke. Yeah, yeah. If China decided tomorrow that they didn't want us to have medications anymore, we'd be pretty screwed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's pretty it, wild. Like as a, as a drug addict, like I'm, I'm not under no illusion that I'm not a drug addict. Like I, I'm a drug addict. I get my drugs from a doctor, but I'm like, if I didn't take my meds today, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I'd be sweating in my bed somewhere, you know, in, in all kinds of pain. But you know, it's, uh, and no, now I, I forgot where I was you're, going. You're, you're, but you're aware of it. Yeah. You're yeah. Aware of it. I mean, I think being aware of it in a way, it's like you could have the ability to alchemize it. Yeah. I mean, it's a road, it's a road to take to say you're aware of the need of that, but you also have the ability to maybe alchemize it, but it's, it, that's a commitment. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. just say we're Worst case scenario, you couldn't get your drugs. Let's just say worst case scenario, you could either ride it out and, you know, die a hundred times and get rebirthed, meaning not physically die, yeah. but it would probably be extremely torturous to go through withdrawal of these meds. And, but you might be able to transcend that too. I mean, you oh, know. Oh yeah, no, I've come off of meds before. It, 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 I'm on such a little amount today that I'd be fine. Uh, it, it'd take me a couple of days, but uh, you know, I'd feel like crap for a couple of days, but nothing like when I was an actual drug addict 
sitting in a jail cell screaming right. at them to give me anything, you know, right. like I, I've been there and that's torture, but yeah, uh, you obviously move past that. But yeah. I, but I do wonder because I'm hearing these stories of people saying, Oh, couldn't get their meds filled. Well, what's going on with that? You know, you have to kind of put that on the back burner you in do. your mind. You do. You oh, really for do. me, it's something I'm always aware of. I'm always aware. I have to be aware of what's going on. I missed a doctor's appointment a couple months ago by accident. And oh boy, that was almost a freaking disaster. But yeah, you know, you got it. You just got, like you said, you got to be aware about it. Understand the world around you. Know that people are, the people in charge are not out for your best interest. They do not care if you get no. your medications or not. They only no. care that Big Pharma gets their money. For the medications that's seems what matters sure seems that way yeah all right so here's another one i wanted to bring up for you what do you think about CRISPR? this is another one i'm kind of torn on like you would want your children to have the best opportunities physically and mentally so i i have a hard time thinking that parents aren't going to use this if there's not some sort of law in place and even if say the united states put some sort of law in place you can go right to china yeah, I'm not as versed in CRISPR, but I just mm. saw something on it recently, and I don't know really what it does to designer kids. babies. It's a designer right. baby oh, essentially, right. so you can. Baby. Yes, okay. Mm. I didn't. I I yeah. I think it's called something else, but if CRISPR is sort of the um, other. It's how you form. edit the genome before. Yeah. In something. So there's already um, there's already birthing centers that are going to be set up so that well, first of all, you've got the you know uh the whole notion of pregnancy with surrogacy you've got in vitro you've got you know we look at where we are till right now and what has been utilized and that if we're going to be making babies in petri dishes eventually and that you can pick and choose whatever you want that baby to be and whatever the genome is all about well, again, this is something that's coming up and it's something that is, I mean, I'm sure there are countries that are, I think I heard something about Dubai with birthing centers where women aren't going to even need to hold a baby in the womb anymore to give birth in a womb. You're going to have pods for that. Which is terrifying. So, well, yeah, I mean, this is all these future imaginings that I think are very real. And it's just a matter of, you know, if it's going to coexist on the planet with us, then let's at least not force people to have to live that reality if they don't want to. I mean, are we going to live in some kind of like, you know, post-apocalyptic world where there are going to be those of us that succumb to these, you know, futuristic, you know, dystopian ideas of what life should be and people that just said, no, not, not for me. I don't want to go that route. And yeah. are we going to just live side by side? Yeah. And so... How are we going to navigate this stuff? Like if people think that politics is is tense right now, just imagine when like instead of saying I'm going to get the next, you know, black woman, they're going to go, "Well, who cares if John Fetterman's had half of his brain replaced?" You know, the way things are looking right now, I mean, it's it's there are times where it is so surreal and it's horrific it's very dystopian it's very orwellian it's very huxley-esque it's all of the above but wow has the world changed radically in the last three years and like i said it is speeding up as we're talking 
So how are we going to, how are we, we're either going to, I mean, and I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'd like to think that we're going to be able to save our civilization. I hope and pray. Me too. We do, but wow, things have been really crazy lately. Yeah. I, you know, I have a feeling that maybe even in my lifetime that you're going to see something like San Francisco putting a gate on the Golden Gate Bridge and saying, you're not coming in here unless you've got your vaccines and your brain chip, because we need to know if you're thinking like a terrorist. Exactly. I mean, we are really living in those times where, you know, there's talks about smart cities. There are all these theories about what just happened in Lahaina, you know, I, you know, weigh in however you want, but people are talking about it. The good news is it's coming up in conversation. You know, and people better wake the you know what up to realize that, hey, this is what's coming down the pike. So you better be awake enough to be able to fight it, resist it, you know, realize it and decide how you want to live. And if you're somebody who doesn't want to be, you know, um, a guinea pig without informed consent to get vaxxed with something you don't even know what you're putting in your body, you know, some RNA and DNA uh, genetic sequencing shots, whatever, if that's going to be mandated, what are you going to do the second time around? You know, we just went through that. We yeah. just went through that. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I lived in Lahaina for a year. My, my aunt and uncle just lost their home and some friends. It's, um, it's a terrible thing, but the point I'd, I'd like to make about it right now is that there's a, if you're not aware of the world around you, someone like me or you, you think that Lahaina was just destroyed by climate change or even, and this is on the same vein, or you think it was destroyed by space weapons. To me, both of those things are ways to obfuscate blame for the people in charge who made the worst mistakes. That fire was caused by power lines. That's, and it's maybe not as fun as space weapons, but that's, we need to hold the, the people who are responsible to this feet to the fire. We can't just go, Oh, it was the space weapon. That's what they want you to say. Oh, it was, or, Oh, it was climate change. So they don't have to face the consequences for screwing up royally and causing the biggest natural disaster in this country in over a hundred years. Absolutely. And a great opportunity for land grabbing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now, phase two of that is going to be complete land grabbing. They're already starting. The people are already, they just did a rezoning in the area. And it said, well, the only way your insurance won't pay out is through now. So people aren't getting paid out already. They're calling up and saying, sorry, rezoning. You're not getting paid. And then an hour later, they get a call from a developer with a, with a, with an offer. And these people, this Lahaina is an old, old town. These people have owned these homes for generations. They don't have anywhere to go. They don't have money saved up to rebuild. They're not going to get paid out nearly what the property is worth. And they're going to have to go. And it's horrible. It breaks my heart. And how about this whole thing about what what is our, our government saying? We're going to give them seven hundred dollars a person, something crazy. But we're we can give billions of dollars to Ukraine. I mean, come on, people, what are we talking it's about disgusting. here? Disgusting. It's gone disgusting that you treat these people like they're animals. It's it's unconscionable that this is going on in our own country. 
Okay, even you know, even though Hawaii is its you know own separate. I I'm on record saying I think this is a great opportunity for us to give them Ukraine money and say it's yours. You would. It'll think, never happen. No, but that was happen. that is what we should do if we really lived in this liberal. You know, we've got this the greatest liberal president of all time. Like, why don't you guys do something liberal? Do Apologize something. for stealing their island and they're, give it back. Expressing this this tragedy. It's not even being talked about. Within, I'm looking at reports. Within, there's still deaths are still at six. I know multiple people are missing for six oh. eight hours at this point. Still at six, and I'm getting. There constant constant articles climate change climate change maui climate change these people have no shame as soon as they possibly could they were right on climate change yeah, i mean and then encouraging tourism i saw one woman who spoke so eloquently and she's like you know don't come to maui don't swim in these waters where there's still dead bodies in there and do your scuba diving i mean it's just it's beyond disgusting. It's it's just it's inhumane. I, I got to tell you, it's you know we can talk about transhumanism yeah. and transcending our humanness, and then you look at the way we behave to one another. It's it's, it's so animal. It's worse than the animal kingdom. Yeah. It's it's unconscionable. And talk about inhumane. Uh, I was homeless on that island for quite a while, and uh, they ship all over the country and, and cities have been busted. I think New York was busted doing this. They ship their homeless out to Maui because they can live there comfortably. There are so many homeless people in that area who have nobody, no family, no friends. Nobody is looking for them. They are going to be wiped from existence. I know, but you know what, Nick, I hope that enough people band together and that they rise up in such a way that something about the human spirit that they know that they have been so lied to so screwed over that if this doesn't bring out something if if they create this collective within their own communities and they band together to create some kind of an uprising we have that's to the only, that's we have the only to obama who is from hawaii put out one tweet in seven days and it was asking us to give money. Where are all the celebrities? I mean, like, hi, Sean Penn, you went to Ukraine. I mean, where are the celebrities? Not to single just him out by himself, but like, where are the celebrities? You know, where are people who are posting things and coming to their aid and standing up for them? I mean, I did see Tulsi Gabbard going there and that was great. You know, she's from Hawaii. It's yeah. like, where is everybody? Yeah, it's, I couldn't believe that. That was one, I was, I was kind of doing research and I went, you know what? Let's just see if he, if he even, you know, couldn't even be bothered to make a video in a week. And, and then as soon as Trump made his video, then they all started coming. Uh Oh, you know, now we got to play politics again. Right. right. And it was just disgusting because you can see the timestamps. It's like, here's Trump's then here's Obama. It was just, and the fact that like. In, even in his tweet, it couldn't have said like, hey, me and Michelle are going to donate $1 million right now. Try and match. Let's see if we can match it in, in one hour. What about hello, Oprah? Yes. Oprah. Yeah. I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a, a donation when it when everything's calmed down. It's like, oh, 
when everybody else is figured out and, and the spotlight's not on you anymore, then you're going to make a donation. And is it going to be like, um, what was that? What was that woman's name? Johnny Depp trial. She goes, I pledged, I pledged the money. They go, did you pay the money? I pledged it. She never paid the money. She pledged to pay the money. So let's see if any of this money actually makes it to the people who need it. Uh, these <laughs> NGOs are frothing at the mouth right now. No. I know, you know, if you think of really what it would take to rebuild Lahaina, you can't. In a way that if people could really, you know, people certainly had the means to do that, these billionaires that are not going to do anything. And what's going to happen is you're going to get these land developers that are going to come in and they're going to rebuild. They're going to turn it into Disneyland. Yeah. And it's going to be unrecognizable. And that was the last of old Hawaii, essentially. You I know. was there. I've been there and it's beautiful. It's, I went there. For the first time when I was 13 years old, it was the first like adult trip that I took, you know, without my family. And I fell in love with Lahaina. It was magical to me. Yeah, it's hard not to. It's a it's just an incredible place and they're going to destroy it. it. It just. It's it really can't sad. it can't be rebuilt. Some of the things I mean, there's this there was an old prison there that for pirates you can't rebuild that. You can't you know? build the you can't you just you just the, it's it's become you know it's all ashes there's no history there anymore it's gone it's very very sad if this doesn't you know if these things don't wake people up to what's really going on it's you know this is our this is our future people like what's it going to take to wake us up what's it going to take for us to say enough already we've had enough do you know i don't because you would think i I would have never thought in a million years that people would have taken COVID the way we did. I thought it made me sad to see the way that people reacted to this just in pure fear. I lived in San Francisco for five years and the people who I knew in San Francisco just, you know, 10 years ago, completely different people scolding me for not wanting to wear a mask in Idaho, thousands of miles away from where they live, a place where they have never been before, who they do not understand whatsoever. Oh, well, you live in the cow pastures and they're, you know, you're, you don't have a lot of people around. It's like, dude, there's a million people in this valley. I sit in traffic every day, just like I did in San Francisco. And they just don't care. Just no, do it no. and shut up. Why are, I didn't realize you were this difficult when we were friends. It's like, I didn't change. I'm the same person. We didn't talk about this shit back then. Back then when I lived in San Francisco, Occupy Wall Street was going on and we called it as it is. It was a bunch of hippies on the sidewalk taking advantage of a situation. That's how everybody in the city thought of it. And that was the right way to think about it. But right. now, you know, I'm the, I'm the evil one. Right. I know it's, it's completely this, this inverted gaslit reality. It's just gotten pretty, pretty crazy, pretty crazy. All right. You know, well, or yeah. it was a pleasure having you on. We're about <laughs> done here. Let's get you out of here. Thanks again for coming on. Tell everybody where they can buy your, where they can buy your book. Thanks for having me, Nick. They can go to Amazon. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, Amazon to be able to get everything and anything you possibly want. You can certainly get my book on there too. Uh, Time to Awaken, Changing the World with Conscious Awareness. And you can go to my website or Sounds good. 
Thank you again for coming on. Good night, everybody.